0: Welcome to another episode of Real Talk for Real Men, episode number 19. In this episode, Darren Lewis joins us and explains why we're not raising boys and girls, but we're raising men and women to make a contribution to our world. hope you enjoy it.
1: Welcome to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast. Lifestyle advice for men so powerful, you'll want to run your life on it. And now your hosts, Guy Mullen and Chris Field.
0: Okay, men, welcome back to another episode of Real Talk for Real Men. I'm Guy Mullen, and I'm back in the studio with Mr. Chris Field.
2: And it's lovely to be back with you. And I'm excited that we get to pick up on a fantastic discussion we had recently with Darren, um, talking about manhood, and I'm just really looking at picking his brain a bit deeper. And so I'm glad you guys could join us to hear this today.
0: Well, I think it is really something that us men need to hear over and over, the importance of dads to our kids. We just, I think it's really is a blind spot that we so often have. We just don't appreciate the importance we are that we are to our sons and to our daughters. And of course, our culture is always attacking, and it seems to be happening more and more, attacking men and dads and saying that we're not necessary. It doesn't matter what caregivers are looking after our sons and daughters. It doesn't matter whether they're a man or a woman. But we need to keep hearing this message that Darren is telling us that dads are so important and are unique to our kids. Well, um,
2: for- let's make sure Darren's on the line. Are you there, mate? I am. I am. Darren, introduce yourself to our audience again. Um, name, rank, and serial number. <laughs> <laughs> what you do. You're, you're, you're living up in Queensland in Australia. And t- tell us a bit about yourself and what you do just to tune our yeah. audience back in yeah, who yeah, didn't sure. hear you recently.
1: Yeah. So uh, my name's Darren Lewis. Um, I'm married to my beautiful wife, Melissa. We've been married together now for for 26 years. Um, Together, we share four sons. Um, They range in ages from uh, 23 to 21 to 18, and uh, my youngest is 14. Um, and so, uh, this particular topic is, is, I guess one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about it is because, um, my I've, I've, you know, been very intentional in ushering my kids through that. Yes. I live in, um, Townsville in tropical North Queensland, um, back in July, 2008, I, I uh, founded fathering adventures, um, uh, an organization, a ministry, a business, um, that, that, um, uh, takes fathers and their sons and fathers and their daughters out on uh, adventure experiences, outdoor adventure experiences. Um, and and their focus of those is to experientially uh, equip, empower, and, and encourage fathers to be intentional in, uh, in, in their role in the home and, and also uh, in regards to their relationships with their, with their children and their wives too, of course. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of who I am um, and, uh, and what I do.
2: Okay, so now let's just pick up where where we've been. For the sake of those that are hearing you for the first time, we actually chatted with you previously uh, on a previous podcast about uh, the fathering, the challenge of fathers as being fathers and fathering 101, I guess you'd refer to it as. Um, What I'm really intrigued about is something you said way back in that, that discussion where you talked about the fact that you had an alcoholic father and that you didn't really know him, didn't really connect. And you see that fathering is really important, but the question of of what damage that does to a kid, what a, what a boy has to go through, what you had to go through, um, to be able to really find and establish your manhoods, and that's something I understand you give a fair bit of thought to.
1: Absolutely, um, you know, I was I was. Uh, uh, engaged at age 18 I was married at age 20 um, I had my first son at age 23 um, uh, age 24 and um, one of the things that uh, I, I came to realize is that I, I didn't become a man until I was 29 years of age and um, and, and it really, I probably didn't know that I wasn't a man. I mean, by all appearances, I, I was a man. I was a husband, I was a father, I could grow facial hair and, and you know, so on. It's, it, but um, it wasn't until uh, I read a, a copy of, was a book was given to me called Raising a Modern Day Knight. Um, the author was Dr. Um, Robert Lewis. And um, I read that book and I very quickly realized that I wasn't a man (laughs) and I wasn't offended by that. And especially because I was a father at that stage, a father of uh, three sons. Um, I wanted to be able to help usher them to become men. So, so I, I, but first of all, I needed to acknowledge that I, that I wasn't, that I didn't, I didn't have that for myself. So Darren,
2: you're saying the book was describing the kind of guy you were supposed to raise and you realize you hadn't even arrived at the place you're going to, you're supposed to get your kids to.
1: That's exactly right. I, yeah. I I realized that I didn't have any vision. I didn't I didn't have a definition of what it means to be a man, and I uh, and I hadn't had a moment in time where I crossed the threshold where I'd been invited into and launched into something that was bigger than myself. I, I hadn't had that, and um, and 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 I was really blessed because um, to be honest with you, that book back in 1999 was the very first book that I'd ever read from cover to cover, real book. And um, so I actually wrote to, because I, I could really relate to Robert's story because in that story, he, he shared, um, you know, not just the theory behind it, but he shared his own story and his own story really quite uh, reflected mine, um, alcoholic father and so on as well. And, and so um, I really read, it just, I, I was, there was this connection that was already built, but though he didn't know me. So I reached out to him. I just wanted to thank him. And then lo and behold, he replied to me and uh, that was back in 1999. And and he's a dear friend and mentor to this very day. And um, he's been one of my greatest cheerleaders. Um, He's been a father to me um, uh, in so many ways. He's been, he's affirmed me and validated me and invited me into, you know, a life that's much larger than my own. And so, um, yeah he he was able to uh lead me into that place and provide me with that again a vision for what it means to be a man
2: so how did you then begin to think through what it was that you were missing and what it was that you needed to put into your own boys or into other men that you were helping
1: well i think I think you know that that resource was uh was obviously a um, a, a first step for me um, I think that um as I journeyed, uh, as I, as I realized, I, one of the things that, that, that I realized was that I needed to actually uh, be healed of my own father wound. And so as I began sort of working through that, I mean, I dug into a whole bunch of resources that I, I would read and I would listen to. And, um, I went in and, um, received counseling myself. Um, I, I ended up, ended up learning to be a, a counselor, um, to help other people, um, uh, you know it just became a passion a, a deep desire of mine, and so I, I really explored it and um yeah so so really that 's kind of for, for me it was it was that sort of process of of just discovery and um
2: okay you 've got to unpack a word from me. What do you mean when you say father wound
1: well it was yeah that's a great um, a great term that some of us have heard of and some of us you know maybe the first time that we've heard of it but um, a father wound is is something that um, uh, that that could have been one incident it could have been a whole wide variety of, of incidences um, uh, that that occurred through in relationship with our fathers specifically if we're talking on father wound that's hap- something that happened back in our past and and, and what too many of us do is is we say well that was the past and you know build a bridge get over it, um, but the reality is is that when something is is when a wound isn't felt when it's not acknowledged uh, when it's not expressed when it's not lanced and cleansed um, it, it it remains and, and so what can happen is is that we'll be you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years later, we'll be in a situation and something will come up. There'll be some kind of reaction, some sort of response that you kind of go, well, where did that come from? And, and that's what it's doing. It's I, I tell a story of, of, um, you know, if one of you guys was to punch me in the arm really hard without me sort of having a chance to, to sort of flex, um, you know, what's going to happen is, is that in a, the next day or two, a bruise is going to begin to surface. Now, if in, uh, you know, um, week after that you all you need to do is just sort of lean over towards me and just sort of touch me in that in that area um even very gently and and that's going to tap into something that happened earlier right it happened in the past but the bruise is still there and so what what happens is is and 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 a lot of time it's focused in and around that again what we spoke about last time that understanding of well, who am I What's what's, what's my identity? Whose am I? Am I yours? Am, am I my father's beloved son or my, my father's beloved daughter? And, and again, if the answer is no, whether they've said it's no or whether, they, whether it's just my perception because my perception is my reality, then that leaves a wound. You know, I need to know, it, we all need to know. Most of the, the people that I counsel, um, it, it comes back to issues of rejection. And, um, and that rejection may start with dad first and, 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 but it goes right the way through their lives. And all of a sudden they'll be having issues in their marriage and they'll feel as though their wife is rejecting them and, and they will lash back out at their wife for, for hurting them in that way. And what part of the process of what we do when we counsel is, is we say, no, no, hang on a minute. But this actually was a wound that occurred back here after listening to their story, of course. And so ultimately we then bring healing to that wound and and we give them understanding of of, of that wound of, of, and, and of the interactions with their wives, and then we bring their wives into the picture as well and explain that person's story in a way that they perhaps have never heard it before.:
2: So if I can interpret what you're saying, a father wound uh, is not actually the rejection, it's not actually the anger or the neglect or some kind of outburst, which could be very wounding, but it is that that action or lack of action is actually backed by a failure to affirm the person that they are really loved and valued by the father at the same time, in the same package.
1: Yes, yes. Yes. I mean, I, I would say that, that when you say um, like, for example, absence and presence and so on like that, it, it, a, a father's absence, again, sends that message that, that, you know, you're not worthwhile. Like, so it, in my case, my dad was uh, an alcoholic and a workaholic. So when he was, dre- when he, when he was, when he was fo- eventually came home from work, he was either uh, drunk or in the process of getting drunk. And so, again, there's a, there's a wound. So that wound could be absence. It could be, it could be something that's overt. So it could be passive or overt. Um, it could be something that he said that was bad. It could be an absence of saying something good. It could be an absence of spending time with me. Because my question, like, I didn't realize this at the time, but as I reflected, as I journeyed back, it was, why didn't my dad want to spend time with me? Why didn't my dad teach me things? Why didn't my dad um, uh, tell me uh, about um, uh, about himself and about his life and about me and about what he what I mean to him? And again, it was because he was wounded, and so he was trying to he was medicating um, his wound, and therefore it just. Um, it wounded me in the process. So, so there's a wound that takes place, either passive or overt, and then the wound sends a message, and then the message leads to a vow, you know, it, it, so, so it, 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 and we make this agreement with this lie. So for me, it's like, well, I'm unlovable. You know, if, if, if I was lovable, if I was truly wanted, then my dad would want to hang out with me, would want to do things with me.
0: So the thing that's dear to your heart, Darren, uh, from previous conversations is this whole process of, moving from boyhood into manhood, moving, moving from girlhood into womanhood. I've got a sense that this fits in somewhere with, uh, uh, with these wounds that we're talking about.
1: Well, at the end of the day, there, there are some core things that, that, um, we as fathers need to impart to our children. Um, you know, our, our role is so much bigger than we, than we've been led to believe. And, and, um, and one of those things is is to be present and involved and engaged and deliberate and intentional in raising our children from, from not... See, we're not just raising boys or raising girls. That's probably, um, you know, psychologist and author Steve Bidoff, if there's, if there's just one... Um, if there's one thing that I would take issue with, with, uh, with what he's done is calling his books Raising Boys and Raising Girls. But I get it. I understand that... Um, I understand that he's focusing on, on parents who have boys and have girls and they don't, they don't necessarily understand this stuff, but the reality is, is that we're not, we're not wanting to raise boys and raise girls. Yes. For a season, but ultimately our role is to raise them to be good men and in good women who go and make a contribution to our world. And so how do they get from being this, this little baby that gets handed to us to that in a, in a, in a period of 18 or 20 years? How, how do we take them from there to that? And, and that's something that most of us overlook. and, and when we and, and so like my own adolescence um, I was the message that kept coming to me from my dad from my mum from everybody around me at the time is you 're on your own you 're alone and again that 's a message that 's quite common with a whole bunch of people and and um, you know you think back to when you were going through adolescence right and, and just and i 'm just talking about the physical changes that were happening as a boy you know what was going on you know i mean I was a bit of a late bloomer and so you know some of, some of the guys around me were having deeper voices than me. And I was, I, was it ever going to happen for me? I mean, I needed a dad who was there to sort of say, Hey son, so was I, you know, Hey son, I've, I've lived through this and, and son, you're okay. There's nothing wrong with you. It's going to happen when it's time, you know, you're not starting any later. It's not like running a race. Um, it's, it's all going to be good. What we need is we need a father to be our guide in the process of us becoming Men And and most men, nearly all men, but certainly most men, did not have a father or a significant male other in the absence of a dad guide us through those years, those teenage years, which are incredibly tumultuous.
2: So in that process of coming from uh, a baby in nappies through to a, a responsible adult, responsible man, in the fuller sense of that word, not just as you say, having hairs on your chin or whatever, yeah. Um, what are the key markers what, what are the landmarks on that journey through to that full manhood process that you said you didn't arrive at till you're about twenty nine
1: yeah so so look uh, and and again, upon reflection on my own journey and, and and guiding others sort of through this and all of the resources that i that I've kind of you know just digested and ingested the the um uh, I, I have what what's called the five essential ingredients um, to, to guide us, our our sons to being men. And the same can be true of daughters as well. Um, but, 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 you know, as I said, the most I'm most passionate about men because men are really that they, they, they change the, the landscape of our, of our nations, of our world. And and so I really want to see good men, uh, be raised up. There's a, now I'm going to get this wrong. So forgive me. Um, but there's a fellow called, called uh, Frederick Douglass. And maybe you actually know the quote better than I do. But he he was an African-American statesman back in the late um, 1800s, I think. And he said said this, it's easier to uh, build strong boys than repair broken men. Now, I just believe that we need to do both. We need to be able to help men where they're at and so that's part of what I do is, is I do that. And the other part is, is actually to build boys, to build boys to become men, to set them up and, and, and really um, usher them, help, help to usher them into um, a masculine identity where they know that they are a young man or they know that they are an authentic man at a particular time. So there's five essential ingredients of these. So I'll just run through them very quickly and you guys can ask questions about any one of those things. Um, first of all, we've already mentioned it, it's the presence and involvement of dad or a significant male other. Um, John Eldridge, uh, he says this, he says that masculinity is bestowed by masculinity. No matter how incredible a mum may be, she can never be a dad and and she's never been a man and so she can't guide her son into manhood. Um, Number two, the presence and involvement of a community of men. So dad on his own is insufficient. He needs mentors for his son and he needs brothers around him to, to help him in that process. Uh, number three is is this idea of, of adventure, of the outdoors, of testing and challenging. Um, you know, uh, there's a there's a question. Uh, I mentioned we mentioned in our first podcast. This core cool question that every boy and every girl has. Um, of, do you love me, dad? Am I your beloved son, beloved daughter? Um, So when a boy gets into these teenage years, he's 13 and up years, and and this question resides deep within us for the rest of our lives as men, especially in the area of our weaknesses. The question is, is, do I have what it takes? And the testing and challenging component of this process helps him to know that he does have what, what it takes. And again, it's best done within a community of other men around him where they can see him discover that for himself and then affirm it, validate it. Number four is a clear and compelling vision for manhood, um, to actually be trained and instructed so, and not just modeled, although, of course, modeling is a massive part of that as well. And then finally, a rite of passage, a ceremony, a significant moment at a specific milestone. You know, if I was to ask you guys, are you married? You know, you'd be able to say really quickly, yes, I was married on this day, hopefully, um, on this day. Um, and, you know, for me, June 22nd, 1991. And I can tell you where I was married. and I can tell you that it was on that day, sure, there was a process that I needed to engage in prior, uh, you know, beyond that. But on that day, effectively, I could no longer be my own person. It was a, it's this idea of of two becoming one. and And so, but again, how many of us, can can ever can answer the question of well, I became a man on this day, you know. Dad called me up into it, um, and uh, a community of men were around. Dad and I present, and and they also spoke words, you know, into in me, and that there were, I was tested and challenged. I went through these processes, and I have a vision for manhood. I can define what that is. I have direction as a man, because what we cannot define we cannot become
2: Mm, fantastic so I can see that you've got that sort of settled down into a a list but I'm wanting to kind of tease out then how that fleshes out when you were 29 and you realized you weren't a man what was the thing that you felt was the biggest deficit the thing that you least had that you should have had by that age that that you would have signaled your arrival at manhood
1: there were two things out of that list. There were two things that were, that were the biggest things for me. The first thing and and the most important thing I believe was um, the, the vision for manhood to actually have a vision for manhood. You know, there's that saying, you know, fake it till you make it. And so many men are just looking around at other men and it's all again, very done very passively. It's, it's just looking at them kind of going, well, um, this is what a man must do. I kind of see this guy seems to know what he's doing, but the reality is that man doesn't know either. He's never had a a father or an older man say, this is what it means to be a man. And so that was probably the biggest thing. And then very closely followed up some sort of moment where I was actually, where I crossed that threshold and that was acknowledged.
2: Mm, So you would say in our Western culture that as far as manhood is concerned, it's the blind leading the blind. (laughs)
1: <laughs> sadly yes through through the industrial revolution world wars um uh, the feminist revolution which needed to happen i do need to clarify that but again it went too far um th- 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 there's all of these these situations that have happened um over the last 300 years that have caused us to be fatherless for the most part and so and, and so again it's our dads our, my dad he didn't receive this stuff he didn't know what it meant to be a man um, and, and he'd never had that moment, you know, where he crossed over. And um, so he wasn't intentional in any way. Yeah. So how could he give what he didn't receive himself?
0: So, so how important is this this ritual, having this date of transition from boyhood to manhood? You know, the, the Jews have their bar mitzvah, the Brazilian tribe that has that um, horrific bullet ant ritual with the 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 biting ants in their gloves and and many many other cultures have their ceremonies how important how significant is this in the scheme of things for becoming a man
1: it's as i said i I listed that as as number two like i i see that as being vitally important crucial um and 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 I, i do because again it's um for a man he's asking He's asking these questions. I mean, for starters, that question "Do I have what it takes?" comes up. You know, you put a man in a place of, of that he doesn't feel strong. So for me, it's in the area of um, uh, doing handyman jobs, right? You know, you put me in a situation like that. So that's, that kind of comes back to that training and instruction part of a vision for manhood. It um, is is I feel weak in that case, in that situation. So when I'm tr- when I'm attempting to do what I think a man should be able to do, um, I I end up getting angry. Um, and uh, oh, well, th- that's the temptation, and certainly more so when I was younger than I than I do now. Um, but there's there's that that question raises its head. You know, um, do I have what it takes? And if I take that question one step further, am I a man? <laughs> you know, I, I men are meant to be able to do this stuff, but I know that I can't. Am I a man? I don't think so. So having that moment in time that ceremony that rite of passage is is just it it it, it crystallizes for you you just kind of go well you no know, I am a man that's right my my dad said that I was my the community of men said that I were they saw they saw key things in me that were um, that, that were elements of being a man. Um, I am a man. I, I'm not going to doubt that. And But when a man does doubt that, he'll respond in two ways. He'll become very passive. He will, w- he'll withdraw. He doesn't want to be exposed as being a fraud, you know, as, as, as being discovered as not being a man. So he will... Um, not step up and into um, things that he 's invited to for that reason he just doesn 't want to fail you know there's he's a fear of failure, a fear of of being exposed as being a failure or a fraud, um, and so there 's that shame that, that covers over that um, and then and the other the other response is is this overt response whereby he's, he goes out trying to prove that he is a man. I am a man, and this is and this is what I'm going to do. Um, and, and, and usually that type of man um, is so, becomes so driven and uh, he ends up having a, a wake of carnage behind him because he's trying, he's trying so hard. His sole mission is to prove that he is a man. But if you have that, if you've got that vision for a manhood, if that's being crystallized for you and, and you know, this compass that, that's providing this direction for you and you have a moment in time, then you know that you are. That question's not going to haunt you like it did me.
2: So when you discovered your, we'll call it your deficit, um, how hard was it to resolve that? I mean, how hard is it for a man listening to to you right now who says, oh dear, I'm 42 and I'm in this mess or I'm 27 and I haven't ever been through this process. How hard is it to make up that lost ground?
1: Well, I I won't lie to you. It takes time. Um, it, It, but, Again, it's, it's a journey, and, and but you need to take the first step. So it's, it, that, that first step is acknowledgement. Um, and then second step is is don't do it on your own. Reach out, get help, go see a counsellor. Um, you know, we find that, that men quite often will bring their sons on one of our Prepared for Manhood um, adventures, and, and they will, in the midst of it, they come wanting to impart and to invest in their sons and their, their futures, their lives, but then they discover for themselves that wow, I didn't receive this. And and part of that process um, that we don't typically let the men know is that it's actually providing that somewhat of a process for them as well. It, there's a there's a they leave initiated in a sense um, because they're required to give something. We, we we require them to step up. But again, where um, we're, we're providing everything that they need to know for them to be able to do that for their sons and they, they leave stronger. Um, Yeah. So it's, it's a journey, you know, and it's not a, you know, these, these things are uh, quite often for for us men, these things have been things that we carry that we've carried for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. So to think that they're all going to just evaporate in, in 10 minutes is, is, you know, it's not going to happen. It does take time, but it needs to be started and it's a process.
2: But not to be too depressive about that. Um, the truth is that if a person just says, yeah, I, I, I resonate with that, I, I can see I have a hole in my life, that in itself is the first really significant Absolutely. step.
1: Absolutely. That's a huge step because most, most men aren't aware of that. Most men, they've they've already covered over that. And uh, it's not until you know they're in their 40s, 50s, 60s that, that all of a sudden they realize that there's all of this trauma, there's all of this pain that they push down, buried down so deeply. And then all of a sudden because because as as you know Chris, uh, as we get older, we, we, we're not as strong as we once hey, hey, were, hey, right? hey, hey,
2: hang on. That, that, that word old just came up in this conversation. <laughs> no, You've been talking the uh, guy, have you?
1: <laughs> I, I love what Solomon said. You know, that, that proverb, it says that um, the glory of young men is their strength. The glory of old men or older men is their gray hair. <laughs> I noticed you when have some gray hair. Right and so that's, <laughs> gray hair is a wonderful thing. It, 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 hopefully, it equates to wisdom. And and, and so, um <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> I lost my train of no,
2: no, well I'm just really wanting to make sure that men listening to us today don't go away depressed because they can now well, what see do they this do? horrible yeah, they that
0: hole, yeah. What do they do?
2: That that yes. was directed at oh, okay. you. <laughs> sure,
0: sure. Darren.
1: Well they, they begin the journey. I mean they they, they keep going until, you know, they, they, they have to they have to begin but we lack
0: like community. So how do we fill that gap?
1: If we have community, even if we've got just one mate go there first um and and you know it's it's um there's a there's a a, a quote that I've got a guy by the name of gordon dolby who's an author and a counselor in the states and he um he, his definition of what a real man is is simply a man who gets real and that's our, that's our starting point. And so we've got to get real. We've got to get real with ourselves and we've got to get real with another man. You know, it's, it's, it's something that's opposed. It's something that won't come naturally, that we, that we won't want to rush out to do. Because again, it, it could potentially reveal weakness in us or, or perceived weakness in us. It's, it's actually the greatest strength. That, that we could have to actually be able to be vulnerable in the presence of another man and have him embrace us, have him accept us and to have him actually say, me too, let's journey together. Um, but, but again, you know, seek professional, um, help, you know, see your pastor, um, see that there are plenty of good counselors out there. Um, for me, one of the things that I did, um, I actually went and did, now I'd started a church at the time. So I was, a, I was one of three founding couples in a church. And so I was invited along to this um, uh, pastors and leaders conference at LL Ministries in Sydney. And, um, and anyway, so they invited me to stay on for, for what they call their 20 day school. And so for that 20 days, and it was pretty well 20 full days of just me learning a- a- about what, I should have received and ultimately it was to equip me to be able to help others. But in the process, it just brought all of this stuff up in me. And um, so I needed to be helped. I needed to be prayed for. I needed, you know, one of the big breakthroughs that came for me there guys was that, um, Oh, there was one night I, I was sitting there, and and they purposely they they give you a week where they where they don't offer to 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 minister to you at all. And anyway, this after seven days of doing this, um, you know, stuff it begins to bottle up right in people. And anyway, I'm sitting there and I've got a pretty good mask on, and so I'm kind of concealing this my, how how I'm feeling. And anyway, um. <clears throat> So here I am. I'm sitting there. I'm thinking, okay. I'm, I'm praying. I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit here, and if somebody comes to me in the next 15 minutes, then I'll tell them my story, and then we'll kind of deal with stuff. But if not, I'll go. Anyway, I, I looked up at the end of 15 minutes, and I'm the only person sitting on one side of the room, and there are a whole bunch of other people, ministers, sort of sitting up there, going, you know, praying, looking. Who do I go to next, Lord? Anyway, um, so for me, I, I end up getting up out of my seat and walking out and I went home and I spoke to a friend of mine who was actually, um, my old pastor. He actually led me to Christ uh, back in my mid twenties. And he, um, and I, uh, so he was watching the news and he was wrecked cause he, he was, a, he was one of the leaders on this course. And he ended up, um, he ended up sort of saying, mate, how are you doing? And during an ad and I said, Oh mate, I said, well, here's a go. Here's what I did. I prayed. Nobody came to me. And, and, and he said, Oh mate, he said, so, He said, look, I turned off the news. He said, just share with me. What were you going to share with them? And so I began to share and all of a sudden um, uh, something happened. There was this trigger. I I, I just, and, And he stopped me and he said, Darren, did you see what you just did then? And you know what? For the first time ever, I saw that. And what I'd done was I began, my eyes began to well up and then I just, I closed my eyes. I sucked it up and then I continued on with my brave voice and brave face and all the rest of it. But he saw it. And I saw it for the very first time. And he said, did you see what happened? And I said, yes, I did. And he said... And He said, "Mate, that's the closest I've seen you come to crying in ten years that I've known you." And and I said, "Oh, great! So I've just wrecked it. It's another ten years before that's going to come up again." <laughs> he said, "Well," he said, Let, "Let's pray and let's see if it happens." So anyway, um, we prayed and um, I began sharing again. And this time, because I'd seen it the first time, this time I saw it again. It began to come, and then I began to trust it. I think we. I think sometimes we can think that it's like Pandora's box that if we open it, it's just going to spill out and it's going to be ugly. But what happened was I just trusted the process. I just began to open up and, she, and and I began to weep. And honestly, it felt for me like it was five minutes, but it probably only was maybe a minute or two minutes. And, but I wept and I just honestly wept and I just trusted that his heart was good toward me in that I ended up going and waking up my wife. She was there for the first seven days of this course. She was about to leave. I went and woke her up. because She went to bed earlier. I said, honey, I cried and she's like, Oh honey, that's great. That's great. I woke up the next morning. I looked in the mirror and I don't know whether you guys have ever had your ears cleaned out, you know, whether they've built up, been built up with wax at all before. But, but I, I used to have that problem. I had my ears cleaned you know,
0: my, out. One of my sons has that problem had, had that problem. We had to go every six months and get his ears cleaned out.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's distressing. It's horrible, but, but it's, what's amazing is the clarity with which you can hear when that cleaning process has been mm. done. It's like running your finger around the top of crystal, you know, just this, the resonating every time that there's a word with a letter S in it, like, it's just a, it's like a whistle. And, and, and this was now my experience looking in the mirror was I could see with such greater clarity. And I just put it down to effectively the fact that the windows to my soul had been cleaned. <laughs> they had a, they had a window wash and, and, and that came through, that again, that expression of that emotion that, that had been trapped. Because the reality is, is that my childhood, like so many other people's childhoods, um, was not as it should have been. We were meant to be, we were meant to have a representative of the one true father, the perfect father. And when we failed, when we didn't get that, it left a wound. And that wound needed to be expressed, needed to be opened up and cleansed out. And um, so that was an important part of the process for me. And the, and the good news is, is, is from a biblical point of view, guys, like one of the, what I'm, I don't like religion. I, I, I really dislike, strongly dislike religion. Um, but he, there's two particular verses that I hold true to. And, and, and Jesus says, Jesus said, um, he when, 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 um, introducing himself, you know what he said right after his his baptism, right after going out and being tested for forty days, that forty day boot camp, the very first thing he says he turns to Isaiah and he reads out what we now know is isaiah sixty one one and he says he says this effectively, "I have come to bind up your broken heart and to set you free now that 's a promise and and that 's an invitation and then again, in another verse, um, later on he says I have come that they may have life and life to the full. And when we come yeah. to an acknowledgement of, you know what, I've got a great life or I don't have a great life. One of, one of those two things, but I, am I truly living life to the full? If the answer is no, then I suggest, because again, in Proverbs, Solomon says that above all else, guard your heart for as the wellspring of life. If we don't have the life that we yearn for, the life that we were meant for, then here's the reason why our hearts have been broken. We have been wounded in some way, whether it be to, through dad, which is more common than not, um, or somebody else. And that wounding, the invitation is, is Jesus has come to heal that and has set us free of all of the things that have trapped us in that place. So we've. Darren, a- that's
2: fantastic, man. Yeah, I'm going to just pick up two points there. Obviously, uh, we know from a Christian point of view that the power and presence of God working in our life is absolutely awesome. But I think something that you also picked up there by you talking about going to your pastor and him kind of picking something up in you in the way you responded, yeah. the power of that kind of communal support process. And even for the guys out there that might feel that their faith doesn't really mean anything to them and don't resonate with that, I think you're signaling the sheer blessing benefit of actually having people who we can actually relate to who who, who won't um, exploit our weakness but will actually be there and share it with us and kind of help us work through that as well Absolutely. I know that Guy is planning to uh, create more opportunities online for people to be able to network and so uh, watch this space I think that that for a lot of guys if you can't even find someone around you I know you guys are looking to to be able to create that opportunity too.
0: Well, yeah, we are putting up a lot of free content on our website and there's a lot already there that you can go and consume right now. And we're also putting together a lot of courses you'll be able to consume on the topics that you need help with. So that's something to watch out for. Yeah. Uh, Thank you so much, Darren, for uh, coming on the show. It's been awesome again. uh, There's always so much to talk about. (laughs) when you're when you're on the show and there's a whole lot of things I'd love to love to explore we don't have time for that today Uh, but of course people can come along to a fathering adventure and part of your fathering adventures that you have for your older uh, sons and daughters so you do two age groups you do the younger age groups and you do an older age group as well and for older age groups you have a, a ceremony in that don't you both for the, the, the young woman and for the young man. And I went on a fathering adventure with one of my daughters. She was 17 at the time. We went to had a pretty special ceremony where they all got dressed up. We had a nice meal and uh, we did some dancing. And and we had a, a time when my daughter and I were just up the front and a bit embarrassing for her to start with. But really when the spotlight is on, they love that attention. She loved that attention And I had prepared some special words for her that were just for her. It was really, really powerful. And you get to see that on every adventure you go on, don't you, Darren?
1: Indeed. And, and can I just say in regards to the dancing, cause a lot of guys are fearful of that. Um, we turn the lights <laughs> off, right guy, you know, there's just some fairy lights sort of in the background. So, you know, you're not going to be exposed as not being able to dance. Do I have what it takes to be able to dance with my daughter? Um, so, so you don't need to worry about hiding from that. The other thing is to uh, getting back to what Chris said and, I'm, and I'll finish up here guys. Thank you for the, the time to do this, um, is simply, is simply that, um, when Chris asked before about, you know, so what does a guy do, you know, the, the those five things that I mentioned earlier, um, about that process of masculine initiation, um, here's the thing is that as you, you correctly pointed out guy there are two different age groups and the, the the older age group there's no maximum age limit to those so a man a mature age man can bring his own father or a mentor someone who wants to you know is willing to invest and be a mentor in his life if that's not dad um, can come along and can take pro- take place in this and receive all of these things that we're talking about and that will give him a massive leg up you know if you talk about um, you know the, taking some steps in the journey that's just a, a fast forward right there.
0: So it's www.fatheringadventures.com or .com.au, is that right?
1: .com.au, that's correct, yeah. .com.au? I think the the .com also does redirect you to the .com.au.
0: And so that's where you can find Darren and Melissa from Fathering Adventures, and I've got a great uh, new website. It's been revamped this year, and it provides you with all the details you need about their Fathering Adventures and a beautiful Warm, far north Queensland. Mm.
2: Tempting, and, and,
1: and in other locations too. There were yep. New South Wales and Victoria as well,
0: and Victoria too.
2: Yep. And Darren, look, this has been so enriching. I've enjoyed it very much. Um, we're just going to have to be able. We know we, we've got you on twice already. We're just going to have to hear your voice again. I'm sure the guys are going to want to know more. So, thank you so much for your your availability.
1: Yep. Thank you for it's an honour and privilege to share with you guys. Thank you for the opportunity. Bless you. All right.
0: So, men, thank you so much for joining us for this episode with uh, with Darren Lewis and Fathering Adventures and from Chris Field and myself.
2: Hey, have a great time. We'll see you next time.
1: Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast at www.realmen247.org.